the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg. And it is Panhandle Live for this 14th day of February 2024, Valentine's Day, Ash Wednesday, if you're so inclined. Broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building here in Martinsburg. And of course, Panhandle Live, as always, is driven by Country Roads. Tyronado will tell you a little bit more about them as the show rolls on. I'm Luke Wiggs, Marsh Kavalica Studio. Happy Valentine's Day, Marsh. Happy Valentine's Day. As you can see, I'm wearing black and gray, but my socks have little pink pink flowers on them. Um, yeah, so it's kind of conflicted for folks who, you know, celebrate uh, Valentine's Day, but also observe Ash Wednesday. So, um, you know, good luck out there, y'all. Um, I should mention Martinsburg police are on the scene of a shooting this morning. We're going to get an update, hopefully, from Police Chief Aaron Gibbons, uh, who did say a press release is coming, is forthcoming. He did not say anything about a risk to the public. So uh, we're just going to wait for that information. But uh, the show continues. Uh, joining us via phone this morning, happy Valentine's Day. It's Executive Director of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs and the West Virginia Women's Commission. Jill Upson, welcome in. Yes, good morning. Happy Valentine's Day to you. And I just heard your announcement about the shooting and, you know, just sending thoughts and prayers to everyone involved in that. Absolutely. Yeah, you just never know. And, and you know, he was apologizing because he's supposed to be on the show today. He said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm flaking out. I'm like, that's not flaking out. If that you're is not flaking out. <laughs> That's running toward the danger so that we can all stay safe. So, yes, absolutely. I thank him for that. Well said, well said. So uh, what's on your agenda this February? Uh, and as, of course, we talked about uh, Valentine's Day, but I know you guys are always very busy uh, in your in your two, uh, the hats that you wear, the two commissions. Yes. Yeah, so for the Office of Minority Affairs, we have, of course, Black History Month. And so this coming Friday, we did a virtual event. There is a teacher, uh, he has a history page that I've been following now for about a year, and so I had noticed that he includes a lot of black history in his post, and so I was drawn to that, and so I reached out to him, and he agreed to do an interview for Black History Month to talk about the importance of not only teaching black history, but he believes that black history should be incorporated into all history that's taught in the classroom. And so that's going to be a fascinating conversation that people can watch this coming Friday morning at 10 on our Facebook page. And is that going to be a presentation or a Q&A? And how, how does that work? It's a Q&A. So I uh, asked him some questions and it was more uh, conversational. So if, you know, he said something that uh, was particularly, you know, piqued my interest, I would follow up. Uh, on the questions that I plan to discuss with him about specific figures in history. So it, it really turned out to be a, a nice conversation. And um, if they miss it, it will be posted on our website, minorityaffairs.wv.gov. But I encourage people to watch the premiere, which will be uh, Friday morning at 10. You know, I know the the legislature is uh, constantly having these conversations. They're having, um, you know, meetings, uh, the state school board. They're always talking about curriculum and some of these nuances 
is this the kind of thing that you believe could, in a very healthy way, inform how the state approaches curriculum in the schools regarding history and, uh, in, and black history? Yes, I think it's an important conversation to have, I think, because people sometimes conflate history with ideologies. And so as, you know, someone who had children go through the school system, I would definitely be opposed to particular ideologies being presented as fact, unless it was a class about ideologies. But history itself, they're just, it is what it is. You know, there, there's no ideology attached to it. Uh, the teacher and I, uh, his name is Mr. Lamb, we got into a conversation about that, how when you read history, you're going to see things that make you angry, uh, but you're looking really through a window into that particular era, and so you just have to accept that that's what happened, uh, regardless to how, you know, if it makes you feel, how, what type of emotions it may invoke in you, we still have to look at history. Well, Marcia mentioned the, the legislative session. Is there anything in this particular session that uh, your office is kind of keeping a, a, a keen eye on, anything from a legislation standpoint uh, that, that you want to see get passed through a state legislature? Well, fortunately for me, I, typically what they do is they call down and just kind of give me a heads up if there's anything that is going to affect either the Women's Commission or the Office of Minority Affairs. Uh, mercifully, this session I haven't had to really uh, – you know, really watch for anything that may be coming down the pike. And so, uh, you know, I just had my, my head down and my sleeves up working on the Black History event, working on uh, Women, uh, Women and Girls Day, which is coming up on March 5th. Uh, and while I'm mentioning that, I do want to say it's not too late for any middle and high school girls who would like to come down here for that event to still register uh, online to do so with the free event but I do need a count because we do serve lunch because the, the, we take the girls to the House and to the Senate. Uh, we're going to have remarks from the First Lady, and then we'll go back and have uh, a really nice, fun roundtable discussion where the girls decide what legislation they'd like to see presented, uh, issues that affect them. So to answer your question, no, I don't really have anything that's been on my radar that I've been watching in particular. So I, I know Senator Charles Trump uh, apparently sponsored a bill. That it's been I, I think there have been ongoing efforts uh, to pass this Crown Act. What, have you been informed of anything about that or its uh, status? Yes, the Crown Act has kind of been floating around since I was in the legislature a very long time ago, but I have not heard about what the status is on that. I do know that when I was working on it, the bill definitely needed additional work. Um, and needed a lot more clarification. Uh, but that, you know, is an issue that has come up. Uh, it came, I don't know if I talked about with this with you before, but my son uh, has dreadlocks and uh, had a job and was told that in order to keep his job, even though he pulls them back, you know, nice and neat, and even, you know, offered to wear a hairnet, even though he wasn't in food services, uh, and they still demanded that he cut off his dreadlocks, which he did do, for that particular job. And so that's basically what the Crown Act speaks to, is understanding that there are some hairstyles that are just simply cultural, uh, but that can still be professional in the workplace. Jill Upson is our guest this morning. Anything else you want to let our listeners know before we have to let you go? And like you mentioned, uh, uh, the, the Women's Day event that's coming up on March 5th, if people are interested in signing up, where can they find more information? 
they can go to uh, WBWC, which is the uh, handle for the Facebook page for the Women's Commission, and they can uh, get a link. There's a link there that takes them right to the page where they can register. And then the very last thing that I'll, I'll mention, and I appreciate you guys having me on regularly to do this, is uh, we are planning for the uh, Minority Business Expo that will be ha uh, held in the Eastern Panhandle. That will be April 4th at the Ransom Civic Center. Um, I'm partnering with Black-owned Berkeley on that event, and so we have a lot of really fun things in store, including a free headshot uh, for those who register. So that link will go live on the 27th of this month. And so uh, when I'm back on, I'll give you a lot more information on that. And so, I'm, uh, so the link goes live the 27th. What's the deadline? The deadline is April 4th, so it will be March. I'm sorry, April 1st. Okay, great. All right, yes, I'm writing that down. Is, <laughs> the event is April 4th, yes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely. And that uh, that's Jill Epson, of course, the executive director of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs and the West Virginia Women's Commission. We're going to take a very quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a jump into the busy news cycle. Uh, so stay tuned. More on the way here on Panhandle Live. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is always driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care. With two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online to at countryroadstire.com. Want to take a look through our busy news cycle, potentially get to the Metro News Capital Report here in just a moment. But, Marcia, you mentioned uh, a shooting in Martinsburg this morning happened around 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, and we now have an official statement from the Martinsburg Police Department. That's right. Uh, Police Chief Aaron Gibbons sent that to us just minutes ago. Um, it, it said, as you mentioned, at 3 a.m., officers from the Martinsburg Police Department were dispatched to the 400 block of West Race Street in response to reports of shots being fired. Officers found a male on the sidewalk. Uh, they took quick action, it says, to uh, get him medical attention. It looked as though the male had been uh, suffering from multiple gunshot wounds, according to the press release. The male victim uh, was transported to an area hospital. It says he's in stable condition. His family has been notified of the incident. It says a crime scene has been established along West Race Street with the Martinsburg Police Department collaborating closely with the West Virginia State Police to thoroughly document the area. The motive behind the shooting remains unclear at this time. However, there is no current indication that the general public is at risk. Traffic diversions have been implemented on Race Street between Queen and College Streets and from Boyd Avenue to Raleigh Street to facilitate the ongoing investigation. The chief says the Martinsburg Police Department requests the community's patience and cooperation as the scene is processed. The incident is under active investigation by the Martinsburg Police Department, West Virginia. I'm sorry. We urge anyone with information related to the shooting to come forward and contact the Detective Bureau uh, or the Berkeley County uh, crime, crime Solvers at 304-264-4999. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to update that story as more information becomes available, and we re really appreciate the Martinsburg Police Department uh, giving this that official statement. So, like we mentioned, uh, the legislative session is still underway. We'll set up the lineup for Dave uh, Wilson and Metro News Talk Line coming up here at 10.06. But before we do that, let's get to another edition of the Metro News Capital Report. This is the Metro News Capital Report, brought to you by AARP West Virginia. 
AARP is your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Connect on social media at AARPWV or learn more at AARP.org WV. Today's report in 60 seconds. AARP is your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. A wise friend and fierce defender for everyone in West Virginia as you get older. With nearly 230,000 members and communities in all 55 counties, AARP is working every day for you. We have financial tools and health guides to help make sure the good things in your life live as long as you do. We're working to protect your hard-earned money, sharing tips and tools to help you spot frauds and scams. At the same time, AARP is advocating on behalf of West Virginians 50-plus and their families at our state capitol. Every day, we're supporting family caregivers and fighting for things like tax relief for all retirees and ensuring access to home and community-based services. Everyone in the Mountain State needs someone in their corner. That someone is AARP. For more information, connect with us on social media at AARP West Virginia or find us online at aarp.org WV. We expect to see the Women's Bill of Rights legislation back on the active calendar of the House of Delegates today. The bill has created a good bit of debate. The bill defines male and female. It also makes marital rape a crime. The bill was moved off the active calendar earlier this week, but is expected back on today. The House Health Committee has passed a bill that would remove the requirement of students to be vaccinated if they are in virtual schools in West Virginia. Right now, if you go to school in person or go to school in any way, public school, you're required to have a vaccination. But this would remove that requirement for those in virtual school. Wayne County Democrat Rick Griffith, a Canova pharmacist, says vaccines do their jobs. Vaccine protect lives. And vaccines are safe. I mean, you think, compare the safety. You know, the question was asked, are they safe? Well, compare that to death. The committee did approve an amendment that would require virtual school students who play public school sports to be vaccinated. House and Senate floor sessions begin today at 11 o'clock. I'm Jeff Jenkins on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Thank you, Jeff. We'll be hearing from Jeff and the rest of the Metro News crew throughout the legislative session. Another edition of Metro News Big Chair with Dave Wilson. Uh, There's going to be a a healthy lineup per usual for Dave today. I want to hit some of the other stories in our news cycle, Marcia. Um, A couple of things that we want to touch on that happened yesterday. And let's start with uh, what was a little bit of a bizarre story that kind of popped up in the afternoon. Yeah, you and Daniel were all over that. (laughs) When the Transportation Security Administration uh, released a statement that said that officers at Dulles International Airport prevented a woman from Jarrodstown, West Virginia, from bringing her handgun onto a flight. It was a nine millimeter handgun that was loaded with six bullets, including one in the chamber. And there was also additional ammunition packed alongside the gun. The woman was the weapon was caught as the woman entered the security checkpoint and the X-ray unit alerted that it was in her carry on bag. Um, In addition to the citation by airport police, the individual now faces a stiff financial civil penalty, uh, which could reach up to a maximum of fifteen thousand dollars. So a Jarrodstown woman uh, found with a loaded handgun in her carry-on luggage at Dulles Airport. So um, she was not identified by the by the TSA. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about being at the airport. I'm thinking about Dulles. I'm thinking about Hagerstown. And, you know, there aren't, to my knowledge, metal detectors as you come in. Obviously, that would slow. Th- and uh, mm-hmm. I know they have to strike a balance between, you know, be, being able to, uh, you know, the flow of passengers, uh, you know, versus the safety. 
aspect. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is this woman came through the, you know, the doors, the garage, potentially uh, set on uh, the public transportation from the parking area. um, And all of this with a a loaded gun with one in the chamber, uh, you know, and wasn't this was not found until she got to the x-ray machine. Mm -hmm. Well, and the craziest thing about the, 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 the post for me at the end of the press release they added that there were 6,735 firearms that were caught by air, airport security checkpoints nationwide, 93% of which are loaded. Because, I again, that's the thing that jumps off the, the most 90, to me. 93%. Yeah, 93% wow. uh, of which were loaded, uh, which is pretty remarkable. I'll tell you what, Marcia, uh, we're going to take a, a really quick break here. We might have a guest joining us on the line, and we'll reconvene here in just a couple of moments. So uh, stay tuned really quickly. We'll be back here on Panhandle Live. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Welcome back, Panhandle Live. Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kovalik with you. And uh, Marsha, we mentioned some of that breaking news. We've got a guest that now joins us via phone. That's right. It is Martinsburg uh, Chief of Police, Aaron Gibbons. Welcome in. Good morning. How are you this morning? Uh, We're good. Thank you so much for all you guys are doing to keep us safe. Uh, You sent a press release. We did read the press release out to our listeners, uh, but you've been on the scene. So uh, tell us what we need to know. Well, we uh, for the moment, we do have a victim that has been um, that does have gunshot wounds. He is in stable um, condition at an area hospital Um, right now for the communities. um, As far as the communities involved, uh, we do have some shutdowns on Queen on uh, Ray Street as we speak. From uh, Queen Street to College Street, we have that shut down temporarily, and we also have from Boyd Avenue to Raleigh Street shut down for the time being. So that's just a little concerning for the area residents. They might have to make some adjustments to their um, traveling this morning, but it's a rough start to uh, uh, Valentine's morning. So, so are any of the area schools like Burke Street on lockdown? Uh, no, they uh, not that I'm aware of. They should uh, they should not be at this time. Um, I don't think that they were. This happened very early in the morning, about uh, just around three o'clock in the morning. Your press release indicated that you do not believe there is a risk to the public. Is can you um, you know just firm that up for us? Uh, just from the generalized um, information that we have at this time. Uh, we do have information that this may have stemmed from an argument that happened over in the area of Raleigh and uh, Ray Street. Um, so we know that this we we do believe that this was a very targeted incident, or at least stemming from an argument. So I know your your press release also said uh, the Martinsburg Police Chief or Martinsburg Police Department and uh, state police were on the scene. Uh, that had to be pretty a pretty dramatic scene early in the morning hours. All of you guys running to um, a shooting scene like that. Uh, yes. It, it, whenever something like this goes out over the radio, anybody who can will respond to that um, to that area, <clears throat> especially when we find somebody who has been um, targeted specifically like this. Um, we actually had West Virginia State Police Crime Lab come in. Uh, we called them up, and they are actually up on uh, 400 block of West Ray Street processing right now. But the victim actually, the shooting actually occurred up on the 400 block of West Race, from what we can tell. And he had made it his way down here towards the, uh, actually towards the police department. So it may have very well been he was either trying to get home or to the police department. 
and before we let you go, it says at the end of the statement that if anybody has information, they should contact the Martinsburg Police Department. Uh, is there a number that you'd like to give out? What's the best way if people have information they can get in touch? Uh, 304-264-2100. Ask for the Detective Bureau and or the Berkeley County Crime Solvers. All right, and very that's good. on the press release as well. Very good. Uh, Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Givens, we really appreciate you giving us the time, and uh, thank you very much for everything that you guys do. Wonderful. I appreciate it very much, and thank you very much for having me on this morning. Take care. Absolutely. And that's uh, Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Gibbons. So let's go ahead and get to this bottom of the hour break very quickly, and we'll continue the conversation on the other side. So stay tuned. It's Panhandle Live. Local news now at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Now back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back inside the Hoppy Kirchable building. It is Panhandle Live. Luke Wiggs and Marsh Kavalik with you. If you missed our conversation, the breaking news we had with Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Gibbons, uh, we'll kind of reset that story here in a couple moments if we have the time. But if not, we will be featuring it in our top-of-the-hour news product, which you can hear every weekday morning from 6 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, and stay tuned because we've uh, got former Jefferson County Delegate John Doyle calling in here in a couple of moments as we remember the life of uh, former Jefferson County Commissioner, uh, longtime delegate and educator Dale Manuel. Uh, and it's an educator, Marcia, that joins us in the studio now. That's right. And I'm, I'm put to shame. She's just so dressed for Valentine's Day today. I just love it. She's got the earrings. She's got the heart shirt on. Uh, it is Betty Ann Powell, Berkeley County Schools Director of Federal Programs. Welcome in. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. So you're here to talk about a program called Transformative Leadership Coaching. Absolutely, yes. Very Something we're very proud of this year in Berkeley County Schools. What is transformative leadership? Right, it's a big word, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so actually, we found, uh, we went into partnership with a company called Model Schools, formerly known as the International Center for Leadership and Education. And we came across them at a superintendent's conference where all the superintendents in the state were there. And one of our directors in our office was there and really listened to them and felt very moved by their, their speech. So got us involved with them. And they basically are a center that partners with districts to help district leaders and building leaders to really look at data and look at things that are happening in their schools and measure strengths and weaknesses and how we can grow and, and learn together. And they are in other districts in West Virginia. So that was also really helpful for us to be able to um, talk with those folks and, and hear how things have happened in their district with, with model schools. So is it kind of like an audit? I mean, what kind of feedback would you expect to get from something like this? So when we started, they actually came in and they viewed all 32 of our schools and they sent um, leadership coaches in and they basically just did little mini walkthroughs through um, many of the classrooms in Berkeley County Schools in every one of the schools. And they just watched. They watched students, they watched what happened, and then they wrote a, a report for every school that then we reviewed with them and reviewed with our administrators. And that was kind of the launching pad for where do we go from here. And, and was it kind of a, I hate to say this, but I, I know whenever you're in a school and you know that the accreditors are coming, <laughs> You know, to to accredit your yes, that it, has happened. Sure, um, you know, obviously, you know, it, you know, everyone's got their rooms cleaned up. They're like kids, you know, be on. You know, maybe Sammy should take the day off. You know, the, you know, the student. I mean, did they actually see the schools as they naturally would be? 
Yeah, it was just normal, normal school mm-hmm. days. It was all throughout the month of September. They kind of came in and they paired up in, in teams and, and visited schools and went in on a normal school day. Whoever was there was there and whoever was absent that day was absent. So a pretty um, clear picture, you're saying. Absolutely. A very clear picture of normal instruction on a normal day in Berkeley County. And do you have any kind of idea, um, some of their takeaways? Because I know, you know, they probably talked a lot to the school, the administrators in the building about those specifics. They did. They um, and they shared with us. They shared written reports with us and then also presented at principals meetings. So I think one great pride that we have here in Berkeley is the relationships that our teachers and our administrators make with students. So that beyond belief was a huge point of pride and a takeaway that we had that they saw very, very good evidence of teachers caring about kids, kids caring about teachers, kids caring about each other, really wanting to learn and form and make relationships. So that is um, a huge point of pride and strength that that was um, came, came out of the IPA visits that they did. And opportunities for growth? Absolutely. Um, so I think looking at uh, standards and our teachers and students really learning and, and being taught um, standards to, to full capacity. So I think that's one thing where we're looking at now is tying all instruction to standards-based education and being sure that our students are using all the time on task for learning behaviors and learning targets. Well, how did you feel as though the teachers of Berkeley County kind of responded to the feedback that they were given? I mean, is it, you know, some constructive criticism and the uh, ability to get better as an educator? I mean, I think as an educator, we go into we go into education because we're always willing to learn. So I think that 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 point of um, a willingness to learn and a willingness to grow is is definitely a strength that that is there. And um, we do meet quarterly, um, you know, every month with with. Uh, the model schools folks and we have direct feedback with them and they provide us with feedback we talk about it in our instructional meetings with our administrators and the, the fabulous part of this is it didn't just end after this walkthrough and this visit it kept going because now these coaches are assigned to each school and they do um, quarterly visits and now it's really tailored to individual schools and what our school can do to grow and to learn. Betty Ann Powell is with us. When we hear uh, news about the summative assessment across the state and and some of the issues with uh, reading readiness, math readiness, uh, some of the news seems dire. It's uh, a little frustrating to to see some of the levels of students, especially in the elementary schools. Is this a way for a district to address that and say, look, we're looking at some of our areas that could use some growth like you said time on task you know keeping the kids uh you know the main thing the main thing right absolutely the main thing the main thing i had a a administrator that used that term all the time (laughs) so um so this is another way that the school district can say you know we've got uh this resource where uh we've got a pool of folks coming in and seeing where you are and then helping you figure out where you want to be is that a fair assessment? That is. And I think the the growth that we can have from this as a district and as district leaders, too, this isn't just stop at, at the at the school door. It, it kind of blends into our office well and making a partnership between our office and the districts is also um, very, very incredulous. So I think that's something that we have to to focus on. And you mentioned this leadership coaching, not just in Berkeley County, but the other counties in across West Virginia are, are, are exploring this option as well. I mean, is there an opportunity for an exchange of ideas? Say, you know, McDowell County 
you know, there's some really interesting, yeah, I don't want to use the word techniques, but just styles of, of, of educating that, you know, different counties across West Virginia are able to exchange ideas. So, yes, actually, even myself as a district leader, we have meetings um, frequently at, with the state, and there have been several other federal programs directors that I've been able to connect with. Our superintendents have, of course, connected together. And then what's really great is Model Schools has an annual conference every year, and they actually had a West Virginia meeting last year for all of the leaders around the state that were um, at the conference so that we could share together some growth and some strengths that we had seen from the partnership. So that was really powerful and another reason to really want to go into this partnership. We want to keep our educators and our administrators here in West Virginia. We don't want to lose them to our neighboring states. So forming this network is very, very powerful for us as leaders. Our guest this morning is Betty Ann Powell. She's Berkeley County Schools Director of Federal Programs. You told me off mic, you've, you've been in education for a few years. Uh, yep. do, you, do you feel hopeful about uh, techniques and approaches like this? So I do, actually, yes. And I know that you know, we, we often hear, well, just let me close my door and, and just let me do what I, what I need to do to get things done in my classroom or in my building. And I think that as educators, we went into teaching to learn and to grow. And we, as educators, never should stop growing. So I think this is a way to see some commonalities also, not just within our state, but nationwide. This is a, um, a group that does the same leadership coaching all over the United States. So it's, it is good to hear that we are not alone, that there are many other districts throughout the United States that are facing the same problem with teacher turnover, um, standards-based instruction, uh, you know, achievement scores, losing teachers outside of education. So it's good to hear that what can we do as a district, what can we do as a state to band together to really grow and, and educate our leaders here in the state. Absolutely. Well, Betty Ampel is our guest this morning. Anything else you want our listeners to know before we have to let you go? Oh, my gosh. This is like my free platform yeah. here. Um, I just am a champion for education, and I'm a champion for public school. So I feel that if you have a calling to teach, if you have a calling to be involved in education anywhere, please give us a shot. Look for Berkeley County Schools. Work for us. There is a place for you in Berkeley County Schools, and we would love to have anyone. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and giving us the time this morning. Thank you so much, and happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take a break, and we'll get to our final guest on the other side. You're listening to Panhandle Live. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in Martinsburg, it's Panhandle Live. And Panhandle Live is always driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at countryroadstire.com today. Luke Wiggs and Marsha Kowalik with you. And Marsha, our final guest of the show, joining us via phone. A little bittersweet. I'm glad he answered the invitation, though. Of course, the news broke this week that uh, former Jefferson County uh, delegate and uh, commissioner and educator Dale Manuel had passed away at the age of 74. One of his colleagues uh, in the legislature and in politics and the community in general joins us right now, former delegate John Doyle. Welcome in. Well, thank you. Glad to be here, uh, although it's a sad occasion. Uh, absolutely. So how long did you know Dale Manuel? Oh, Lord. Uh, since, the, the, since the 1970s. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, he he was elected to the legislature in 1980 uh, to the House of Delegates, and and I was elected in '82, 
so we served together then. And uh, and then, uh, actually, no, let me take that back. I was elected in 82. I knew him then. He was elected in 1990. Uh, I had been defeated in 84. Then I got back in in 92, and we served for, for 10 or 12 years together. Uh, he was on the uh, Education Committee and became vice chair. And then he became vice chair of the Judiciary Committee. I was on the Finance Committee and became vice chair. And we were able to work together to get a lot done for Jefferson County. So, you know, knowing someone for, you know, basically 50 years, um, you know, what was he like? Uh, quiet, thoughtful. Uh, he, he was he was uh, uh, he had strong principles and, and uh, uh, in most of them were the were most of his views uh, aligned with the, with the Democratic Party every now and then. Uh, he'd have one that didn't every now and then. I'd have a, a view or two that didn't. They'd be different ones, but uh, uh, he was all he, even when we disagreed, uh, it was always very pleasant. You know, we would joke with each other about uh, the, the things we disagreed on, which were not very many. He really did seem as though he was a pleasant individual. You know, obviously he was an elementary school level teacher for more than 30 years. So I guess that comes with the package. But, um, you know, that's that's not an easy thing to be uh, when you're a legislator. No, but but I, I think that the classroom prepared him for that. He was he was very relaxed. Uh, and uh, you know, unperturbed. You know, things things didn't. Uh, uh, sometimes legislators get really mad at each other. I don't ever remember him getting mad at anybody. Mm. Dale Manuel yeah. is. Uh, we're, we're remembering the life of Dale Manuel uh, today on Panhandle Live. Uh, so he was a delegate, and I know he was a county commissioner in Jefferson County for a while. And and you both uh, had put your hats in the ring on a, in a previous uh, election cycle, uh, kind of running in a way together. Oh, we did. Absolutely. This was in 22. Both of us ran for the Jefferson County Commission. There were two seats open. Both of us lost. Uh, he was trying to get his old seat back. Uh, I was running for uh, for an open seat, uh, and uh, it, it, uh, uh, we we ended up. It's, it is interesting. One of the things we teamed up on when we were in the legislature many years before is a proposed constitutional amendment that would shorten the terms of county commissioners, and this would be statewide. It would shorten the terms to four years. I think West Virginia may be the only state where uh, county commissioners or or uh, essentially what is a county commissioner by another title, county council, board of supervisors, you name it. I think West Virginia may be the only state where they serve that long. Most of them are four years, and in a few states are two years. Uh, and, and we just thought the term was too long. Uh, it, 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 uh, there wasn't enough accountability to the people with the six-year term, so we put in a constitutional amendment to shorten it to four years, uh, and it did not pass. But it is interesting, both of us agreed uh, back in the 22 election that had we won, we were going to try and, and use a procedure in the Constitution to let the people of Jefferson County vote on whether or not they wanted their county commissioners to have four-year terms rather than six-year terms. So I know he's not here to really uh, speak for himself, but obviously you two work together on a lot of policy issues. And, and as you mentioned, we're running together to to be on the commission in Jefferson County only a few short years ago. Um, what would he like to see? What would he have liked to have seen in Jefferson County? What were some of his priorities? Um, 
more sensible planning, uh, more parks and rec. He was he was absolutely devoted to parks and rec. At the time he was uh, much of the time he, he after he got off the commission he got himself on the parks and rec commission and he did I think yeoman work there. Uh, and and let me go back to the legislature here just for a second. One thing we worked on really hard together. Back about when we were trying, Jefferson County was trying to get Washington High School built. The county had gotten really, really big for the one high school, Jefferson High, which had become the largest high school in the state, and the building simply was not built to handle that many people. And so we needed a second high school, and the state school building authority refused to give Jefferson County any money to do it. They took the attitude, West Virginia is losing population, so we don't need any more high schools. And that, of course, is really stupid. You know, it ignores the fact that there are a few places in the state that are growing that needed more high schools. So anyway, Dale and I came up with an idea to circumvent the school building authority. There was a bill going through that created a $200 million pot for uh, for bonding for e- economic development work around the state. And we persuaded, when the bill came over from the Senate, we persuaded the House leadership to add in a provision that public education could qualify as economic development so that Jefferson County could apply for the, uh, for, for the money. It, it, that got in. The bill passed. Jefferson County applied. And we got $6 million for it, which was able to get the program going. And, and after that, the school building authority said, well, okay, we'll give you some money. <laughs> you know, I know there are there are folks who serve in the legislature, and when they get out, there's not much that they, they can point to and say, we accomplished that. But do you feel like in his uh, term as a state lawmaker, there was a lot he could look back on with points of pride, especially those that you, you mentioned that you were keenly aware of because you guys worked together. Yeah, in particular when he was on the education committee, uh, getting changes in the uh, in the school aid formula that, that benefited uh, the Eastern Panhandle, uh, he, he got several of those done. Uh, and uh, it is interesting. Uh, I was I was on the finance committee and I focused on higher education. He focused on K twelve, uh, and uh, we we ended up being a really good team on education. I thought. So when when news like this happens, was this expected? Was this something that folks were anticipating his passing? Well, I I don't know that I was anticipating that he would die. Uh, he has last couple of years he'd been in uh, in pretty poor health. Uh, he had to carry an oxygen canister around with him, uh, and uh, so it was. Uh, uh, he's on the uh, he's vice he ha- was vice president of the Jefferson County Democratic Association. I'm the president. He co- he could not come to the meetings physically. He had to be- join us via Zoom. So, yeah, he uh, his health was not good. So while I was not expecting this, I wasn't completely blindsided by it. How does how does something like this, you know, obviously this is someone you've known for nearly 50 years. You guys were colleagues. You, you got a lot accomplished together. How does something like this hit whenever you hear it? Uh, it was more like, whoa, yeah. I was. It was day before yesterday, Monday, about one o'clock. I got a phone call from uh, a mutual friend of ours back home, uh, saying that, uh, that that Dale had died, and I said, whoa, yeah. It's uh, that's about it. That's that's how things hit me. <laughs> Does it? And I know you've you've put your hat in the ring uh, in the, in the next uh, pr- uh, election, the primary election uh, for a state senate seat. Uh, does something like this compel you further 
to, um, you know, kind of double down on your public service? That is an interesting question. I don't know the answer. It is possible it does, but it is also possible that if Dale had lived a few years longer, that uh, uh, his support would have helped propel me along. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it's, it could be either. So uh, our guest this morning is former Jefferson County Delegate uh, John Doyle on the passing of his colleague, longtime delegate, Jefferson County Commissioner and Educator Dale Manuel. Uh, before we have to let you go, what else would you like the, the listeners to know about your friend? He was absolutely an absolute prince of a human being, really class person. Mm, very good. Well, our guest this morning, former Jefferson County Delegate John Doyle, we really appreciate you uh, sharing some of those stories and experiences with us, sir, and we appreciate you giving us the time. Well, you're welcome. Take care. Uh, And again, former Jefferson County Delegate John Doyle talking about the life of uh, Dale Manuel, longtime delegate, a Jefferson County commissioner uh, and educator as well. Just a couple of moments left in the show. Uh, if you missed any or part of today's show, of course, we're going to be posting it on our Spotify here in just a couple of moments. But just to reset, Marsha, uh, of course, and we really appreciate him giving us the time. Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Gibbons uh, did check in uh, at around 920 uh, in response to that shooting. And as he said, there is no threat uh, to, to the public. But he did say that uh, they are processing the scene uh, around 400 uh, uh, West is it uh, race street mm-hmm. and um that continues over to college street as well so some of those streets are blocked off uh as the crime scene is processed uh, he did say the victim uh received multiple gunshot wounds was transported to the hospital and is in stable condition he did not identify the victim but he did say it appears that the shooting was uh a- associated with an, an argument uh, that had happened in the early morning hours uh, this morning. And uh, our hats off to, of course, the Martinsburg Police Department, the investigators, the state police, all of those who ran to the scene uh, to you know keep everyone safe. A couple of programmers notes I wanted to pass along before we end the show for today. Uh, I, I just got word from Metro News, and uh, tonight it's going to be a little bit of tap dancing because we've got Shepherd basketball at about 7.30. I encourage everybody uh, to tune in and listen to that if they don't have Valentine's Day plans. However, High School Sports Line, which you can hear a, a portion of before we have to break away for Shepherd, uh, airs from 7.06 until 9 o'clock every Wednesday. And I was just told... Uh, by the host of that show, who may or may not share a similar last name to mine, uh, <laughs> that their first guest is going to be Spring Mills' Caleb Thomas, who was the EPAC Player of the Year last year, is having a very good season as a junior. Um, and we're going to make sure we do everything we can to air as much of that interview with Caleb Thomas right at the top of the show of High School Sports Line before we break away for Shepherd basketball. Uh, and if you're interested in Berkeley Springs basketball, you can hear that on Cool 92.9 WXDC as uh, Daniel Woods will have the call of that one. Um, I'm sure, Marsha, you're excited. Like you said, it, it, there's going to be a little bit of a tightrope act, right, with Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day <laughs> falling on the same day. That's why we just celebrated everything like uh, ahead of this, ahead of today. So today is just, I gave my husband all of his chocolate, told him to hurry up and eat it because he gives up everything come Ash Wednesday. So, um, yeah, that's what you have to do. I uh, wanted to let you know, Dave Wilson, of course, as you mentioned, is on uh, talk line coming up at 10.06. Kayla Young, Kanawha County Delegate on the Women's Bill of Rights. Uh, they're also uh, going to be talking to other guests about that as well. Uh, it is Flood Resiliency Day at the Capitol. They'll be uh, talking to folks about that. Brad McElhaney will uh, weigh in as well. And uh, uh, Jared Halpern. So uh, there's there's no dearth of news happening on the national and international 
uh, front. So Jared Halpern of Fox News will be on as well. <laughs> Very good. If we missed any or part of our show today, we're going to be posting it on our Spotify. Our guest, we'd like to thank again, Jill Upson, the executive director of the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs and the West Virginia Women's Commission. Uh, Martinsburg Police Chief Aaron Givens with an update on the shooting this morning here in Martinsburg. And again, stay tuned to the top of the hour news product. We'll have more information on that story as it unfolds. Uh, Betty Ann Powell as well, the Berkeley County School Director for Federal Programs and former Jefferson County Delegate John Doyle uh, talking about the life and legacy of, of Dale Manuel. So uh, again, I invite you to stay tuned through the top of the hour, another edition of Metro News Top Line at 10.06. For Marsh Kavalik, I've been Luke Wiggs. I hope everybody has a joyous Valentine's Day. We'll talk again to you tomorrow. lasted so long Now I find myself wanting to marry you and take you home WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs A WVRC media station We're proud to live here too